Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. So I was thinking about this title of this message, I Want to See Blank, and it made me start thinking back to um, being back in school when it would come come time for a test day in school, and you'd be sitting at your desk, and the teacher would go through and start passing out the test. And I don't know if you were like me, but I, was, I would always want to look at what kind of test we were dealing with. Like, I knew the subject. I knew what class I was sitting in. I was that good of a student, okay? I knew if I was in history, it was probably going to be a history test. But I'm saying, what kind of history test? Like, for instance, was it multiple choice? And if it was multiple choice, I would be like, well, all right, I got a chance. You know, like... I mean, it might be one in four, it might be one in five if they add the old all of the above, none of the above, you know, that kind of makes things a little bit cloudy, but there's a chance. But then sometimes you would get a test and it would be all true falses. It was time to praise the Lord at that point, you know. Lord, just guide my pencil, I got a 50-50 shot on this. I mean, just put true on all of them because nobody would give you a test with all the same. You're gonna get some of them right, you know? So I loved the multiple choice. I loved the true-false test even more. The test that I didn't like when they would show up on my desk was the fill in the blank. I'm like, they expect me to pull this information just out, out of my brain and start writing stuff down. And then some teachers would get, well, it was kind of right, but you misspelled it. I'm like, this isn't a spelling test. <laughs> just because I don't know how to spell the, that country exactly right. I, I knew what country you were talking about. Uh, man, those fill-in-the-blank tests were, were kind of the worst. And so uh, I want to show you a couple real fill-in-the-blank tests that real students took and some of the answers that they came up with, some of the most brilliant answers you'll ever see on some of these fill-in-the-blank tests. And these are real tests. Look at these. Here's one right here. Um, it was, describe what is meant by forgetting. And the person wrote, I can't remember. Now... I don't know what kind of level of genius we're dealing with here. He's either giving the answer and saying, that's what it means you, when you can't remember, or he's literally just going, I don't remember the answer to that question. Either way, it's hard to mark him wrong on that I can't remember. Let's go to the next one. Uh, what ended in 1896? You can't mark that wrong. Just because that kid's a level ahead of the rest of us, you can't mark that wrong. He's like, I'll tell you exactly what ended in 1896. Facts. I'm just dealing with facts. All right, let's go to the next one. Uh, to change centimeters to meters, you take out centi. I mean, everybody knows that. Like, it's just simple. And go ahead and mark him wrong. But I mean, I'm just saying, that's simple. Here we go. Um, Bob has 36 candy bars, he eats 29. What does he have now? <laughs> Bob has diabetes, yeah. 29 candy bars, it's gonna do it to you. All right, and then uh, look at this next one. Name the quadrilateral. And I think they were looking for more like rectangle, parallelogram, parallelogram. Uh, but this kid was next level. He's like, I'll name this one Bob. I'll name this one Sam. I'll name this one Tedison. I don't even know what Tedison, but I'm going to name this one Tedison. So he's naming his quadrilaterals. And that's what they asked him to do. 
Amen. All right, one more. And uh, the reason I wanted to show this one specifically. So look at this. The teacher writes at the end of this, Jackie, you can't just white out a question you don't want to answer. <laughs> so picture Jackie sitting there at her desk and she sees that fill in the blank question at the bottom. She's like, I don't know the answer to that. You know what I'll do? I do have some white out. So she's going to white that thing out and be like, that wasn't on my test. Sorry, Mrs. Smith. Like, I don't know what you want me to do. And the reason why I include that one is because whether we realize it or not, that's what some of us have the tendency to do. Because I'll tell you now, there will be a test at the end of this message where Jesus will ask you a question and it'll be a fill in the blank question. And some of us, we have the tendency in moments like that to just go, you know what, I would just rather not have the question at all. I'd rather not face it. I'd rather just white out the question because it could be multiple reasons. Sometimes when a question comes like, what do you want me to do? And sometimes we go, well, if I dig really into deep to what I really need done in my life, it's gonna hurt too bad. I don't even like to go there. So I'd rather just white out the question. Or maybe we don't have enough faith to believe for what God really needs to do in our life. Or maybe, maybe we just have been hurt too much to even have any hope left. And so we just have the tendency sometimes to sit back and say, let everybody else answer those questions. I'm just gonna wipe mine out. But I want you today to have vision for your life. I want you to see your life not living in the lack that you're currently in, not living in the pain that you're currently uh, residing in, not living in the, uh, you know, what, whatever's going on, whatever hurt, whatever confusion. I want you to have vision for your life to see, no, what if God brought me through my current situation? What would that look like? And then you'll be ready for that test. You'll be ready for that fill in the blank question that Jesus is going to ask. And to get there, I think, first of all, I, I would encourage you to do this. Learn to, uh, I mean, learn what to listen for. Learn what to listen for. I like in verse 36 and 37, this blind man by the name of Bartimaeus sitting on the same corner that he would sit at often to beg for money. Uh, but look at what it says in verse 36. It says, when he heard the crowd going by, he asked, what's happening? What's going on? As he hears this crowd going by, he says, what's happening? And they told him, oh, that's Jesus of Nazareth passing by. It tells me something about this blind beggar. It tells me that uh, though he was sitting on the same corner, and I'm sure that every day it sounded very, very similar. And maybe as, as, as we hear about, maybe because he had lost his sight, maybe some of his other senses had heightened. And so maybe his sense of hearing had heightened a little bit. And so uh, maybe he could pick up kind of what was going on. And uh, so there would, I'm sure, be a lot of similar conversations and a lot of similar activity and a lot of similar commotion. But yet there was something about this one. There was something about this crowd that catches his attention. It was almost like he had seemed what, that he had learned how to, uh, he had learned what to listen and four, and he hears something in this conversation that seems different. The people who are following Jesus sounded different than everybody else. Oh, I could preach that for a little while, that maybe you could find um, uh, some people in your life who know Jesus, and maybe you guys could be talking. Maybe on Monday, you show up at the water cooler, instead of talking about what everybody else is talking about, how they partied all weekend, maybe there's a group of Christians, and y'all kind of gather around, and you say, let me tell you what God did in my church over the weekend, and there's somebody next to you who's spiritually blind, and they overhear a conversation that's different than everybody else's, and they go, can you tell me what's going on in this little conversation? That's what happened. Happens here. 
that as these Jesus followers, as this com- it's commotion maybe to some, but to this blind guy, it was different. And so he says, what's, what's going on over there? Instead of it just being about distraction, it was something different. See, what we have the tendency to do when we maybe feel the pressure of life, when we feel like there's major needs going on, when we're laying awake at night because we're so stressed out, because we don't know how we're going to make it work, we don't know how we're going to pay the bill, or we don't know how we're going to ever get over this sickness, we don't know how our home's ever going to be at peace, and we lay awake at night and we worry. Sometimes what we have the tendency to do is we just want more noise. Just we want to add noise. And so we got the TV going, and we got the music playing, and we got this happening and that happening, and we just want the constant noise to distract us from our problem. But instead of seeking for distraction, this blind man was seeking for deliverance. Oh, he was listening for something different. Can I encourage you to learn how to listen? Learn how to listen to the voice of God. I heard about a a job interview that took place. This is way back. I read read about this years ago. Um, But this job interview that took place way back, like in the 40s, late 40s or something like that. And it was a job at a newspaper. And a lot of people wanted this job. This is back when people wanted jobs. Amen. But I'm just joking. Uh, But it was a job at a newspaper and a lot of people wanted this job and so a lot of applicants had showed up at this busy, bustling newspaper office and there was reporters that were typing away and a lot of activity, people running around and all kinds of things happening and as people would show up for the job interview, they'd hand them an application, they'd say, okay, have a seat, fill this out, sit down right over there, we'll let you know uh, what to do next. And so there was probably a dozen, maybe two dozen people there filling out their job applications, excited about this prospect of getting this great job. And as that group sat there for, I don't know, a few minutes waiting to see what was next, most of them had finished filling out their application. Without warning, one of the applicants just jumps to his feet. And it does so with such passion it gets everybody's attention. And he just takes off walking and he walks right into the boss's office. And the other applicants are seeing him do this and they're thinking, well, he ain't going to get the job acting like that. He's, he's impatient or something. And so he's in there in the boss's office for about five or ten minutes. And then the boss and him walk out together and the boss makes the announcement to all the other applicants. And he says, I'd like to make the announcement. The position has been filled by this young man right here. I want to thank you all for coming out. Have a great day. And the rest of the applicants are looking around somewhat confused. And so a couple of them go to this guy because they just can't just leave it at that. they got to figure out what in the world happened. And they go to him and they say, oh, what, what, what happened? Why did you go in there? What's going on? And the guy goes, didn't you hear it? And they said, hear what? And in the midst of all that busyness of that office and all the noise and the clutter and the clamor, over a speaker was a message being sent out in Morse code. He said, I heard that message in Morse code. He said, I have a military background and I I heard that message and that message that was ringing out amidst all that noise, there was a message that was saying, if you want this job, proceed into my office right now and the job is yours. 
And he said, when I heard that message, I went in. I love a story about somebody in the midst of chaos and commotion can still hear the message that he needs to hear. Look, I know our world is crazy, but you've got to be able to get alone and hear the voice of God. You've got to be able to somehow tune out everything else in your life and go, God, what are you saying to me right now? God, because we miss so many opportunities for God to come through in our situation simply because we're not listening for him. I like that he learned what to listen for. And then in verse 38, after he's, he's listening to this, he says, what's going on over there? And they go, oh, that's Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. So look what he does with that information. The Bible says he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I like that immediately this blind guy got comfortable with his call. And when I talk about us getting comfortable with our call, I'm not saying that like the call of God on our life, get comfortable with that. You may never get comfortable with the call of God on your life. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is get comfortable with your call to God. Get comfortable crying out to God for your situation, for your need, or in worship. But I like that this uh, young man just immediately got comfortable calling out because of his situation. He calls out to Jesus and he says, Jesus, son of David, talking about his being Messiah. That's why he called him son of David. Like, I, I know who you are. He says, have mercy on me. He's not, not just saying he's Messiah, but he's saying, you can change my situation. He's showing some, some faith here and he calls out uh, and he's comfortable in his call. Now, one of the reasons why he calls out is because he's got a problem. I mean, a lot of us, we'd love to just have life without any problems, but that's tough. I don't know if anybody in this room would raise their hand and go, I got no problems at all. Nobody wants to have problems, but here's the thing. If you have a problem, here's the good news. That makes you a candidate for a miracle. Because every single miracle in the New Testament started, I mean, every miracle of Jesus you read through, it started with a problem. So just because you have a problem does not mean God has forgot about you. That problem could be God setting you up for a miracle if you get comfortable crying out to him. And so he cries out to God. And that's something that some of us aren't that used to. I, I guess it would kind of be like this for me. Um, uh, I get asked sometimes, because if somebody knows about our church, I'll get asked sometimes, well, have you picked up speaking some Spanish? Because I know you're around a lot of Spanish speakers. And so usually my answer, well, my answer has been the same to that question every time. My answer, ashamedly, is this. No, I don't speak any Spanish. Even though I've been around all these Spanish speakers. Let me tell you why I don't speak any Spanish. It's because of you Spanish speakers. Is because I don't want to be that, I don't want to be up here trying to speak Spanish and you all knowing what's right and what's wrong. If this was just a room full of just non-Spanish speakers and then I had taken my little course and learned a couple of phrases, I could get up here and try a couple of phrases and if nobody spoke Spanish, they'd be all impressed. They'd be like, wow. I mean, that sounded legitimate. The problem is if one Spanish speaker kind of wanders in here while I'm giving my little Spanish uh, speech, they're going to hear something and go, oh, that's, he's not saying what he thinks he's saying. <laughs> He's actually saying a bad word. Like he didn't even realize it. That has happened to me, all right, when I'm trying to speak Spanish. And so uh, because of the Spanish speakers, like I don't even want to try because everybody knows what it should sound like. 
And I feel like the same kind of happens to us. We get uncomfortable with our call because we look around and go, well, I can't pray like he prays. And man, I see the way she prays. And I remember my grandma used to pray. I can't pray like that. And so because I can't do that, I just won't pray at all. We look around at somebody's worship and say, oh, look at how they just unashamedly lift their hands and lift their voice in worship. And I could never do that. And so if we're not careful, we get so uncomfortable with it that we don't even try it. Listen, if praise, if calling out to God that God is worthy, that God is, is great and greatly to be praised, if that is a foreign language to you, you have got to make that your native tongue. You've got to get so comfortable with your worship. You've got to get so comfortable crying out to God. You've got to get comfortable bringing your needs and your supplications to God. That needs to be your native tongue. Oh, I've just gotten comfortable with worship. Like, I've just gotten comfortable hearing my voice praying. That's just, it's, just, it's just normal to me. Like, in wor- just a few moments ago during worship, I, I just, man, I'm singing out. Sometimes when somebody's sitting in front of me, they'll turn around and look and be like, who's trying to lead worship from the pews? <laughs> and I'm not even trying to draw attention to myself. It's just I've gotten comfortable yeah. with my cry. I've gotten comfortable yeah. with my call out to God. Oh, that's got to be a big part of you seeing God do what only God can do in your life. And then in verse 39, just as this blind man gets comfortable with his call, look at it. Those who led the way rebuked him. Oh, this still happens. This still happens, this pressure to kind of quiet us down when we get comfortable kind of crying out to God. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. It almost seems like his second cry out to Jesus was louder than the first. It was almost seemed like that as the difficulty came, he met the difficulty with a greater determination. Can I encourage you to do that? When it feels difficult to cry out to God, like you just go, well, I just got comfortable praying for my healing and then my symptoms got worse. Can I encourage you what to do? Cry out all the more. Turn it up. Sing a little louder. Pray a little louder. Like... If you get vocal about your faith, maybe you post something on social media about what Jesus means to you, and maybe some haters jump on there and start saying, well, don't be telling me how to live, and don't, you know, you keep your religion to yourself. They get on there and say stuff like that. You know what you should do? Sing a little louder. Just, I mean, turn up when the difficulty comes. And listen, this isn't something that I, I uh, necessarily love to talk about, but it's the truth that as you look through the history of the church worldwide, throughout the entire history of the church, when the church was at its strongest was when times of persecution were coming against. It's like it forces you to decide, do I really believe this? It just seems like that this blind guy lets out his first call and they go, hey, be quiet. How this story would have changed if he would have just been like, okay, yeah, you're right. You're right, I shouldn't make a scene. I'll I'll be quiet. How his story would be different. But as they tell him, hey, be quiet, he has to now make a decision. Wait, do, do I believe that my situation might change though? Like, do I believe that it's worth the risk of crying out again, even though there's been some pressure for me not to? I believe this thing enough to actually step out and do it. 
And that is a moment that, boy, when you come to that moment that you go, no, I, I truly believe what's going on. There are some that have a tough time with that. And I've counseled with people maybe who are going through a rough patch in their marriage. And, and I've had people in, in my office say stuff like, oh, I mean, he'll never change. She will never change. Our marriage could never get better. And I just always warn against that, that loss of belief, that, that when the difficulty came, it's like, well, I'll just quit believing for it. Don't ever give up on your miracle. Don't ever give up on your healing. Don't ever give up that your financial situation can change. Don't articulate stuff like that, like, oh, well, my situation will never change. I'm going to just be in poverty all the time. Oh, I'm just going to be sick all the time. There's, there's never coming peace to my house. Nothing. My kids will, I guess my kids are never coming back to Jesus. Don't say those things. No, when that difficulty comes, when Satan tries to get you to quiet down, shout all the more, pray all the more, worship all the more. Amen. One of the worst accidents that ever happened in, in naval history uh, happened in 1963. And uh, it was in April of that year, and there was a new submarine that they had made. It was called the Thresher. It was kind of the fastest, quietest running submarine at that time. It was a big deal, big technology built into that. And they were off the coast of Cape Cod, about 200 miles off the coast that morning in April of 63. And uh, the, the, the submarine was going down deep, and they were running some different test runs on it and stuff like that. Everybody was so impressed with it. But it got down to a depth because the deeper that those submarines go, the more pressure from the water, the depths of that water begins to put pressure on those vessels. And they got to a depth that they thought the submarine could handle. But as they got to that depth, the pressure on that submarine started to rip away the steel bulkheads, and that submarine imploded down uh, below the water. Uh, over 100, I think about 127 people passed away in that accident, 17 of which I think were civilians. And uh, there's still pieces of that submarine down in the ocean floor right there in that area. And of course now, you know, 50, 60 years later, technology, they've created submarines that can go way deeper and go way faster than that one was. And matter of fact, they make little single-person vessels now that can just go super deep down and explore all the depths of the sea. So if you've gotten one of those single-vessel uh, submarines now and you went down 200 miles off the coast of Cape Cod and you were going down there to see the remains of the thresher that are still down there, you see these big pieces of metal. And you know what else you'd see down there? you'd see fish. I mean, it would be like Finding Nemo Part 5 down there. They'd just be swimming around, just like, just doing little fish things, you know, like in little schools and little families, and they would just be, and I don't know about you, but maybe you would, you would start to question like, well, wait, the pressure of this water crushed the submarine. I can see the pieces of the submarine. Why doesn't the pressure crush the fish? The little thin-skinned fish that are down there just doing life in that pressure. How does that work? I'll tell you how. It's because God created those fish special. He created those fish that when they get down under the pressure, when the pressure starts to come from without, he created those fish to have an equal pressure from within to always handle whatever pressure was coming from without. Can I tell you this? God created you the same way. He said it this he said it this way. He said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When the pressure of the world starts to come and clamp down on you, try to get you to quiet down, you got to tap in to the Spirit of God within you and say, no, Satan, you will not keep me quiet. You will not keep me down. You will not let my faith be destroyed. God, I believe in who you are. 
meet difficulty with determination. So he cries out all the more. And then we get to that, that, that phrase that I loved. As he cries out that second time, as he cries out all the more, the Bible says Jesus stopped. Oh, I like that. Jesus stopped and he turns and he orders the blind man to come to him. He says, all right, well, come here. And so Bartimaeus gets up and he comes near Jesus. When I read that, I have to admit that um, it made me wonder something about Jesus because I don't know how far Jesus had walked past Bartimaeus, but he had walked a little bit past him to the point that it was the second call that got his attention. And then Jesus stopped and says, uh, all right, well, come here. And to me, I'm like, Jesus, maybe it would have been like if it had been me, like, go with me on this, but Jesus, like maybe you could have come to him instead of making the blind guy like feel his way and get to you. Like, think about it, it's Jesus. So he could have like invented, like he could have created a pond and then walked across the pond to the guy and then stood there on the puddle on top of the water and be like, now what, you know what's going on? Like he could have done so many things and yet he has the blind guy come to him. As a matter of fact, in John chapter nine, a different blind guy that Jesus is praying for and the guy needs to be healed and needs to see. And Jesus, what's he do? Spits on the ground, puts mud on his face and says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So it's just another blind guy now. He's got to try to feel his way to this pool, looking kind of foolish and crazy as he's on his way with mud on his face. And I'm reading this stuff and I'm like, Jesus, why are you so, it seems like, why are you so mean to the blind people? I just... Like if I started that as my ministry, you know, doing that kind of stuff, it would not go well. They'd be like, don't go to that guy. He is not nice. That's not the way to handle things. And, um, but it seemed like maybe as I started to kind of ask Jesus that, he kind of gave me an answer in a different way. And I started thinking about whenever my kids were younger and our house was always, you know, just a lot of craziness going on. My kids would call out to me from another room. This happened so many times, too many times to count. They'd be in another room, I would be in another room, and they would call out from the other room, and they would say, Dad! And I would say, what? And then they would say, come here! And then my answer was like always the same. Like every time the answer was the same. When they would say, come here! I would say, no! You come here! Now you go, why did you do that? Is it because you're lazy? Maybe a little, okay? Maybe the little bit of the reasoning might have something to do with that but maybe there's more to the story. Maybe I'm teaching my kids a spiritual principle here that if you want audience with the Father, why don't you get up from where you are and come and find Him? Some of us sit back waiting for God to do all the work and come to us. We want a miracle, but we want it our way. We say, God, I mean, I want you to fix this part of my life, but I don't necessarily want to change this side of my life. I like my little habits over here, but I'll take a blessing if you don't mind. We don't, we're not doing so good with obedience. I like that this blind guy was obedient in this opportunity. I want you to try to be obedient to God in every opportunity that you have because when you do things God's way, oh, it unlocks a different level of supernatural activity in your life. Thank you, Lord. I like that he was obedient in this opportunity. Maybe that obedience even looks practically like this today. Like maybe at the end of this message, you'll be sitting in your seat knowing that there is a miracle that needs to take place in your life. And when given the opportunity to step up and walk to a front, to pray 
and see God do it, oh, you'll feel that pressure of everybody. What will they think and what will they say? And you'll go, God, can you just, can you fix this my way? And listen, I'm not saying that God doesn't do miracles in the seats. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this. Our goal should be obedience in every opportunity to do it his way. So this blind guy gets to Jesus. And when he gets to Jesus, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And I think it's worth noting that he does not say, what do you need? Instead, he says, what do you want me to do for you? Now, in this moment, this blind man knew his need. You've got to know what you need. But that's not as easy as we think it is. Because what happens to us when it comes to wants and needs is we start to use those terms interchangeably. And we start to talk about needing the things that are only wants. And when we talk about needing the things that are only wants, then we no longer really know what we really need because we're calling everything a need. For instance, like some of you even this week have said this sentence, man, I need some coffee. Now here's the thing, you don't need coffee. I've never had a cup of coffee in my life and look at me, I'm doing great, amen, all right? But hold on, before you think that I'm self-righteous preaching here, I have said I need a Diet Coke. I've said that once or twice in my life. So we get confused about these wants in our lives and people talk about, oh, I need a phone. Well, not, you. I mean, think about it. In a lot of history, people made it through life without having any phone at all on their person. But, but oh, I need my phone. And these things that are just wants in our life that we call needs, it gets us mixed up when it comes time to really what we need. And yet Jesus doesn't say to him, what do you need? He says, what do you want? Now keep in mind, he's a blind beggar. Not only was he blind, but he was also poor. He had sat at this same spot time after time, people coming by asking him, what do you want? And what was his answer? I'll take some change. I'll take some change if you have it. I'll take some money. I'll take some changes. So they would drop coins in. And at the end of the day, maybe he would have someone or maybe he was able to count up how many coins had come through. And so that was his normal practice. What do you want? I would like some change. I would take some change. I would take some money. And now he stands before somebody and Jesus says the same thing. What do you want? Wouldn't it have been a shame if he said, I'll take some change? I mean, if you got a couple of coins, boy, he would have missed it. Can you imagine somebody saying, do you realize who you were just talking to? Well, no, I mean, but I, I just wanted that. Like, but he realizes he has an awareness of who he's standing before. And instead of asking for some change, he asked for his life to change. He's like, I, I would like to see, I would like to see you, Jesus. I would like my whole life to change. And his want now intersected with his greatest need. I mean, I personally think he wasn't just praying and he did, I know he did not just receive physical sight, but he received spiritual vision as well because we read it. He follows Jesus. He begins to praise Jesus so much so that people around him are affected by his following and his praise and his commitment to Jesus. So not only were his physical eyes open, his spiritual eyes were open as well. Why? because it's what he wanted. He wanted what he needed. There's something about the intersection of our wants and our needs. Because God doesn't meet every single need in the world. I mean, not every, we don't have to drive that far from here to see 
needs that are represented in our city. Not every single need is met all the time. Boy, but it seems to get God's attention when he can ask us and say, yeah, but what do you want today? And our answer is not something flippant. Our answer is not something out of wrong motives, but we've searched inside and said, God, actually what I need most, that's what I want. I need, I need a miracle. I need this addiction to be broken off my life. I need peace in my mind. I need this depression. I, I want this depression to be gone from my life. I want, God, if, if you were asking me what I want, I would want you to restore my marriage. And maybe there are many in this room that the most important need that you have is the need for forgiveness of your sin, to be cleansed, to be pure of heart. And if that's you, we can't pray about any other need. We can't pray about any other want until we pray for that. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.